What's up, Conroe? Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio, right here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations, and streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. As always, make sure to check out the Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio, because that's where all of the magic happens. Uh, this is Corey DLG, and with me as usual is little brother Nico, coming at you via Anchor during this quarantine arena. Um, because of the corona. The rona. The rona. You know, it's so funny, but it's it's also terrifying. The, the rona? Yeah. What's funny about it? Just the name. Oh, okay. Wasn't sure where you were going with that. Like, did the rona have a sense of humor? Um, I'll tell you what. I, mean, I haven't, haven't sat down with the guy. I'm not sure yet. Tell you what the Rona does have is a good sense of irony, because just about everyone. Oh man, let me let me say this the right way. Let me not get in trouble here. Um, There's a lot of people who said this ain't real, and then got it. Yeah, or they acted in a way that made you think that they didn't find this whole thing important. Then they would catch it. Um. So basically, you would see headlines like, Guy who organized rally against wearing masks catches corona. And you'd have a hard time feeling bad for that guy. Yeah, it's like, well, you did this to yourself. Yeah, it's not, I don't mean like... Yeah, I'm not going to use the phrase deserve. Um, however, like... Have fun explaining that back at back at base camp, right? Like, yeah. So, just so we're clear, you're the anti-corona guy, and what what did you catch? Corona. Oh. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. And by the way, you spread it to everyone at camp. Fun, fun. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, slow guy. Slow guy. <laughs> I, I definitely think that there's a, uh, a sense of irony to it, at the very least. Could just be straight up like an Edgar Allan Poe book, where it's like, uh, what is the cask of a Monte, Montesillo or whatever it is, where he... The cask of a Montiato. Montiato, that's right. He lures the guy down there with the promise of a cask of rare vintage wine, and it says, killing him. Yep. You know, in this day and age, the Edgar Allan Poe story would end with him streaming it to YouTube. Mm. That's that's disturbing, but true. I mean, people would be like, "Where does how does he how does he come up with this stuff?" You know how they always talk about like Stephen King, like, "How does he? He's so creepy. Where does he come up with this?" I mean, yeah. He's not even the first, you know? No, and I feel like there's, there's like, and I think about, I always think about, like, ancient storytellers, like, how crazy would it have been, like, way back in the day before we even had, like, writings, like, all the crazy, like, tales that people would tell. Well, I guess that's what makes it, uh, like, I guess what makes bards such an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like, 
listen, we're a nerd show. Bards clearly don't deserve their own class on Dungeons and Dragons. Not not individually. Right? I mean Yeah, like a, I feel like a bard is something to do as well. It it no it probably is, but like Feet, you know, standing next to a warlock and a sorcerer and a, and a barbarian, the guy who tells other people's stories isn't as impressive. Yeah, but he's integral <laughs> to the plot. People, people like to think so. People like to think so. <laughs> You're throwing shade at bards right now. I'm just saying that. Um, Maybe over the years we've overstated the power of a bar. Like, what does he tell a story of, like, your armor's all broken? And then, you know, the armor's your whole party breaks? Like, I mean, I don't know. I just feel very... They're probably a DM's best friend more than they are a player's best character. I guess that's fair. I don't know. I've never been creative enough to play a bard. Ever? Yeah. <laughs> that's. I, I would say that's a little odd. I would think you would have played a bard by now. Uh, I've played approximately three different barbarians. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's fun. I just have the most fun doing that. Way to, way to stay, stay true, buddy. Like, I know what I want. It's fun. And you want to be a barbarian. And I want to be a barbarian. I want to be big, dumb barbarian, man. <laughs> Wish granted. Wish granted. Um. <laughs> now I'm just thinking about the idea of just, you just I don't want to think anymore. <laughs> Like, if I'm going to play a bard, he's going to be a disgruntled bard. <laughs> I mean, okay, all right, okay. So, um, there's been some big casting news. Have you heard about this? Do you know anything about this? Uh, maybe, if you say it. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's always true. <laughs> <laughs> um... The big casting news is they've announced who they're who's going to play the role of She-Hulk in a She-Hulk Disney Plus television series. Neat. It's the lead actress from Orphan Black. Ooh, I don't know who that is. Uh, I'm blank. I'm, I'm blanking on her name. I had it aside there, but I can't find it on my little thing. But um. She, uh, we watched the first like three or four episodes at your at y'all's house about mm-hmm. like a year or two ago. Okay, because it was supposed to be like a really interesting show, and I think y'all kept on watching it. Um, it had to be over two years ago because Dad was still around. Mm. Um, we were all just sitting around the living room trying to find a new show. And it was like on Amazon or something. And Victoria was like, I heard this was good. And I was like, I also have heard it's good. Uh, and the premise of Orphan Black is an interesting show. Um, it, it, from what I, from what we saw in the first four episodes, this woman uh, is a housewife. And 
she sees a woman on the street who looks exactly like her, but is all like punk rocked out. Mm-hmm. And she starts trying to. Oh, right. She finds that like she's a clone, like she runs into more copies of herself. Yeah. The further into this she goes, the more there are more of her. And then, like, there's a kind of exactly them down. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, the actress played all of those roles, so mm-hmm. she's incredibly talented. Like, there's no getting around it. She was playing, I think, like, three or four different regular characters uh, every season of the show. Pretty impressive. Right. So, she, now she's um, a daintier lady. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, Mark Ruffalo is not the biggest guy in the world. Again, this is the Hulk. They're either they're either gonna go like, cause there's like there's like two versions of the She Hulk. There's either She Hulk where she's like all bigger, and then like the the more Hulky version where she's like actually pretty big. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure what they're gonna do is essentially play her two different ways. Where when she's Jennifer Walters and not hulked out, she's going to be her usual smallish self. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure they'll flip it, and when she's hulked out, they'll do some sort of avatar, zoom-in, green paint type thing where they've made her out to be the She-Hulk, and then they just play it up to, to where the environment is slightly smaller. You know what I mean? I, I see what you mean. Um, and then the, they'll just kind of make it work from there. Sort of like how uh, Chris Evans spent the first hour of Captain America CG'd onto the body of somebody else. Right. Which really begs the question, like, who was acting then? Who's hmm? the actor? Yeah. Who's really got the talent at that point? Speaking of Chris Evans, I guess we can't. I guess we got to be careful how we talk about this. However, um, your boy accidentally leaked his own nudes. What an intelligent man! He. It was such a weird, wholesome thing too that he that they were doing. They were filming themselves playing Ellen's game show, you know, where you hold the stuff up to your forehead and people guess the words or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know what it is. Anyway, hold the phone up to your forehead. That's what I know. And then people yell stuff and it says ding, yes, or beep, no. Um, they're sitting there playing. Something funny happens. Uh, it then closes the video and it shows his camera roll. Nice. And like the fourth picture is a picture of him uh, like working, you know, working on it, so to speak. Mm. Um, I honestly, I can't tell if it was an accident or not. I mean, like if you're super attractive, it's like it's it's a leak of privacy, but also like. You're still hot. 
Right, and and, and it's a complimentary was, photo. Right, and I mean, it was him, so it wasn't like someone like snuck into his iCloud and like released photos. So like, it's not like it's one of those scummy situations either. Oh, you're talking about like the was that Bella Thorne who? Yeah, it was a bunch of people. They, they basically were like, "Oh, we've we've hacked your cloud, and your pictures and videos are going to be shown to the world." So instead, she just released them all. Yeah. You know, um, I don't. I, I'm trying to. It's such a delicate, like minefield, right? Okay, all right. Hacking bad. Yes, like, goes without saying, hacking bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> don't steal people's personal stuff. Right. I don't... So, Bella Thorne got killed for this. Not literally killed, but but just kind of destroyed in the media for this. The idea that she was, like, she tried to take back her power, essentially. And uh, people did not approve. I don't know how. that That seems terrible. I think they just thought there were two schools of thought that I heard on that. And one was like, oh, just don't take those kinds of photos and videos and then you won't have this problem. And um, that's just not. It doesn't feel realistic in this day and age. Right. Uh. And that was a big part of, like, the anti-them movement. Um, and then the other part was just kind of like, did you do this just so that we would look at you and you would get attention right now? And it's like, that, I mean, maybe, but it doesn't seem that way, right? Like, Yeah, and I mean, the whole reason that she did it anyway is because somebody else was going to do it regardless so she was like well if i do it then it's me doing it versus somebody else right and it's not a fun place to be in as a choice goes um right you can either expose yourself or have someone expose you and it's like oh great Ooh, what options i have <laughs> right Ooh, this this is pleasant thank you and and then you know the media is going to have something to say about your behavior anyway. So like it it's a it's a just rough just do it. Yeah, it's a rough it's a rough go that's for sure. But the internet has been incredibly like kind uh, to Chris Evans and a lot of people saying like, hey, don't look at this video because you know it's an accident and blah 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 and you know respects privacy and blah blah blah. And Chris Evans has kind of been a little bit pulled back post Avengers Endgame. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's just kind of his last big thing. He was like, I'm gonna live the more quiet life and direct movies, which is just you know, that's fine. Um, we'll always love you, Captain America, right? We're not gonna get on to you for taking some time. Uh, now I do hope that he comes back to the world of the cinema and, and maybe does some like one offs or whatever. Um, but but I'm cool with with you know the initial concept of the choice he made. Um, but Kat Dennings, who a long time ago had her 
SoundCloud hacked and just the photos just released. I don't think there was even a ransom asked for, just released. Um, her pictures got out there a, a long time ago, and she was like, man, it's too bad. We we can't afford this privacy that we're giving Chris Evans to everyone else who went through this. Right. I, I think just the circumstances are also just so different. Uh, I don't know about so different. Well, no, they're they're different in because of like one is a clear accident, and another one is someone actively invading someone's privacy. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I guess yeah. I suppose I, I should clarify that a little bit better. The intention is is vastly different. I, I don't argue that, but I mean the result it isn't. Um, yeah, and also, like, I mean, like, there are people who are like, oh, I didn't, there might be people who, like, literally just didn't know that it was hacked that way, or. Well, and there is a, again, like, I don't want to sound like excusing this. There is a genuine curiosity, though. No, and that, I mean, that exists, too. I mean, that's part of celebrity culture. And it, I mean, I hate that we even just said that, but it is part of sort. Like it just is, right? Like so, it's 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 an undeniable fact. It's one of the darker sides of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. And uh, I, the world just seems to be a little kinder for Evans than it is to Cat Dennings. I think that might have something to do a little bit with. Maybe the world's a little less, you know, curious about them now that he's essentially quote unquote retired from movies. Yeah, it's that. And then of course we can't deny the fact that, you know, he's a guy, so You think you think that's part like see other people don't want to see a guy mm, nude? Like, I'm sure there are, but I feel it's like a small amount. Yeah, that, that, like, I really want to see it kind of, like, I don't want to say predatory, but, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's more of a, ah, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird thought, right? Because, like, um, you're going down, now you're starting to kind of go down where I'm saying, like, I don't, like, we, <laughs> we're so obsessed with these Hollywood figures, and then when we get in these situations... It's it's not. Yeah, a... but it wasn't like it wasn't like Bella Thorne was like a super big deal until her thing got hacked. Like she wasn't doing a whole lot. In in terms of what? Like in terms of like her career, and then she made national news when her when her iCloud got hacked. Oh man, that's a slippery slope. I I I feel like she had already made some movie. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. I'm not saying like she did it intentionally or like what would happen was but good it came out as a net positive for her. No, it's not. I, I, not that I'm saying that at all. I'm just saying that like I don't think that because his status is different, like it changed. Like because she didn't really do a lot. Like she wasn't a really big high profile star, anyways. Uh, I suppose. But I feel like it's fair to say the same thing about Captain America. I guess that's fair. You don't like, especially, yeah, but... especially consider if you consider the idea that he retired from the role of Captain America. 
Right, but only recently. Like, Avengers Endgame was only, you know, two years ago, a year ago. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'd love to see, you know, more of him, but the reality is he, he walked away. He said, nah, I'm done. Yeah. And then a year later, it's like retired Avenger uh, is outed in pictures. You know what I mean? Like, the headlines aren't as exciting as Captain America naked. Uh, that's true. So, I don't know. I just, I feel like uh, it's it's a mess. The whole thing's a mess. Um, ultimately, I, what, what I would like the nerd thug reader uh, listeners to get from this is that do whatever you want with your body respectfully. Make sure you can trust the people you think you can trust. And um, be careful with your password. Like, you know what I mean? Like, And see, if you want real security, just bring back the Polaroid, mail them via snail mail. <laughs> you, never know. Know, you know what movie I watched the other day? Uh, Sleepless in Seattle. And uh, have you ever seen Sleepless in Seattle? No. The premise is a little kind of interesting. It starts off, uh, maybe not. It starts off with Tom Hanks's character um, at a at a funeral with his son. It winds up it's their mother wife scenario. She has died of cancer. It was quick. It was brutal. Um, so Tom Hanks is now a widower, and he decides to leave Chicago and move to Seattle. Uh, fast forward eighteen months. He's in the grieving process. His son calls like a late night therapist. Mm-hmm. It's here on the radio regularly, and it's like a national program. And basically says like, oh, you know, my dad's sad. And he needs a new mom. Like, how do I help? Like, that's what I what. That's my one wish for Christmas this year type of deal. Yeah. And um, the lady talks to him and gives him the name Sleepless in Seattle. Uh on the radio and then Meg Ryan, her character is engaged, but is driving somewhere and hears the call in and exchange and basically follows the story for the whole holiday season. Like is obsessed with it Mm -hmm. Uh, and keeps like tracking him down, but then not engaging him, Uh, not engaging with him, like talk to him at all. They just see each other from afar and then she leaves and he's like, Whoa, that was weird. Um, but it wound up being this really interesting movie, but it was just kind of funny because the way the kid gets treated in the movie is he's basically like a tiny adult. That's funny. And all I can, all I can think about is just like, that's just how nineties movies are with the, with the, with the youth. Youths. Yoana, these two youths. These two what? Youths, Yoana. <laughs> I love that movie too, my cousin Vinny. I can get down on that one all all day. Um, so I had a bit of an adventure um the other day, and when we come back, we'll uh, we'll get into it right here on Nerd Thug Radio. <laughs>
The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is open on 1488 at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard. With comics, games, and everything nerd-related, The Adventure Begins is the one-stop nerd shop. On Saturdays, they alternate between having Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. And coming up, they also have cosplay crafting and trivia nights and BYOB nights. They're currently offering a 10% discount for limited time, which will be valid for as long as you grab your books every month. This is Rudy Tomjanovich, and welcome to Nerd Thug Radio. Welcome back to Nerd Thug Radio right here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations, and streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. As always, make sure to check out the Facebook page, facebook.com backslash nerdthugradio. Um, that's where all the magic happens. That's where all the fun stuff is. Uh, as always, little brother Nico coming live via quarantine. How you doing, little buddy? Yeah, still alive, still in the bunker, still chilling. Oh, I uh, I recently made a trip to the bunker. Say hello to family and friends on that side of town. Um, Sticky Vicky was in town. Uh, she was showing off the boyfriend. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, but before we get into all that, go ahead and tell everybody about our friends. The adventure begins. Comics, games, and more. The Adventure Begin Comics Games and More is open and at full operating hours. If you want to come inside, you do need to wear a face covering slash face mask. Uh, if you want to feel, if you want to be extra safe, they still do have delivery and curbside available. Uh, unfortunately, free comic book summer is over. It ended on the 16th, so unfortunately, you can no longer get your free stuff and free uh, passport. Although they might still have some stuff available, you never know. I was going to say, this weekend is probably a safe weekend to duck your head in and find out. Right. Uh, But they do have, on September 19th, Warhammer Wednesdays, uh, come on in, talk about Warhammer, they got all the different Warhammer uh, tabletops and games that you can come in, ask about it, and uh, either try or just talk to them, or bring your armies, show up, show out, it'll be cool. Uh, Adventure Begins, Comic Things and More, wonderful staff, family friendly, well lit, super clean, absolutely fantastic store. There you go, they, uh, they keep my comics in the box, they could put yours in the box too. Um... Wonderful place to go. We just get our nerd on there, and we have a blast. And, um, yeah, I went out there to go uh, meet the boyfriend the other day. Mm-hmm. And um, we all had a good time. We actually played some Hero Clicks. First time I played in the year of 2020. Same. Only took half the year. Ugh, over that. Oh, yeah, true. It's like September. <laughs> yeah. We are in month nine. We are in the almost done part of the year. We have basically a hundred and like twelve days. That's crazy. Um, yeah, man, it's it's the year has come and gone. Twenty twenty is almost over. It is nearly closing time on the uh, chaos year twenty twenty. Closing time. So anyway, the boyfriend seemed nice. All that was great. Uh, we did dinner. We did gaming. We all had fun. And then I went to leave, and uh, my car took a break. He said, nah. Nah. It was such a weird thing. 
Um, I'm driving and I get to the light and I got to turn left and essentially my AC stops blowing cold, which brings my attention back into the car instead of driving. Mm-hmm. And then I look over and my temperature gauge is rising, uh, but I don't have any warning lights yet. So then I, I turn everything over to heat. I turn the vents on and, uh, I'm trying to get it figured out. And as I'm driving, then everything kind of, all the warning lights come on. I'm like, no, this something, nope, something's not right. Okay. So I call you, I U-turn, which by the way, I was right there at that 529 Jones Road. When you turn mm-hmm. left, after you pass the, the stop sign, there's no more U-turn space. You have to go all the way to the light. Yeah. Like I kept going, okay, I'll just U-turn. Where's the, is there, no. is there really not a U-turn? And like, nope, just lanes. <laughs> I had to get all the way back around. Um, so I was frustrated about that. That was cool. And then uh, basically get over there. We meet at that gas station. Uh, we sneak it. Uh, I sneak it over to the mechanic shop and then we go home. And so the next day they're looking at it. And uh, I mean, look, not the worst news in the world. I was up a little bit the the night before looking things over because I was so nervous, like what could cause this and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically had felt good about what I knew at that point though. Cause we weren't smoking um, as if the engine wasn't smoking and the light that says like hot oil didn't come on. Um, so I was like, okay, well, then it's an overheating, but it's not any of the traditional. It's overheating, but not exploding, which is a good sign. Right. And it's not any of the traditional, like, expensive, broken car things. So I was like, all right, okay, that makes me feel a lot better about it then. And sure enough, it's a leaky top hose, top radiator hose. I guess there's two radiator uh hoses main ones and the top one sprung a leak um he was like usually when the top one does the bottom one's not far behind it uh you want to go ahead and just do both now and i was like okay well let's talk about pricing because that's how that works and uh to do the top one was already like 250 or 275 to Mm -hmm. do them both together would be like 410 before we included Flushing and cooling, which he's going to charge me for. And plus, I needed the oil change because literally the light came on that night. Uh, and so, like, it was just all this other extra stuff. Right. And I was like, uh, so it would be like $600 when it's all said and done. And I was like, uh, no, we're going to just do the broken piece right now. Um, the weird thing was, he was like, yeah, the, the top cord is... 250 or 280, whatever it was, but the bottom cord is only 160. He was trying to like make it sound like that's a deal, and I was like, That's not, that doesn't, I'm good. You see, but, but this one's way more expensive, the one you have to fix, <laughs> right? I was like, Um, no, I'm good, thanks, though. And uh, yeah, so that was we got that, we got that taken care of. 
Uh, I bargained it down a little bit and wound up being a solid three and some change, though. I mean, not the worst cost for a car repair. Yeah, listen, especially considering overheating is such a common problem. It could have been a million other things. So I'm glad it got figured out. That's your car didn't burst into flames. Yeah, that's yeah. You you don't want to drive a fireball. That's always a good, it's a good starting point for what do you want to drive or not drive? Fireball, mm. no. Um, it was frustrating, but it was a it was it was overall it was it's all right. It's not the end of the world. Uh, speaking of not the end of the world, um. Uh, the Bulgarian monster of WWE, Rusev, mm-hmm. who I've always been a fan of. He's a big dude. He's a big guy, moves quick, he's agile, but most importantly, he's got a lot of size on him, a lot of mass. Anyway, he, um, I guess he asked for his release from WWE, because I, I can't see them just releasing him. When they went through and fired a bunch of people, I can't see them just firing him. I think he's too talented. Uh, he's too much of a primetime player for them. Like, they use him a lot on TV. Uh, so I have to imagine he asked to be released uh, just to be more in control and more consistently used on television. Because here lately, he hasn't been used very much. Right. Well, he showed back up. And, of course, where do you think he showed up? The other wrestling network. That's right. All Elite Wrestling. Now he's wrestling under his name. I think it's Miro. And, uh, yeah, he basically, he cut a promo where he talked a little mess about the WWE. Um, And then now he's wrestling over there at AEW, which he'd been asked about that when he originally was released. And he made it sound like it wasn't that likely. He made it sound like, I guess he's in his early 30s. Mm Mm-hmm. And he basically made it sound like he, where he was like, yeah, like, physically, I, I feel like I'm kind of done. I'm over it. Like, everything's been done. I've had a good run. I've had a good career. I've won the belts, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I think I'd just rather hang out here on Twitch with you guys than go back into wrestling. But... That didn't last very long. What's that? So, well, that didn't last very long. It really didn't. And then he winds up back at AEW. Probably the second his, like moratorium ended. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and I mean plus all elite just seems to be just doing a much better job with like pretty much everyone wants to be there. <laughs> well I think it's I think it's you know part of what what's talked about. It's like the control and everything. But one you know you know what's interesting though friend of the show, Kylie Ray, has really experienced a lot of growth after she left there. Um, if you recall, when All Elite came out of the Vegas announcement and they signed a bunch of people, mm-hmm. she was in an initial batch of signings. She was one of those. They basically signed um, between 15 and 30 young up-and-coming wrestlers. They kind of build a roster around, and she mm-hmm. was one of them. And everyone was happy for her and excited. Uh, she actually had some shoulder issues that she got fixed. Because she had health insurance for the first time as a wrestler. Um, I don't know if I was supposed to say that or not. But that's okay. It's, it's over two years now since that since that all went down. So I don't think I'm revealing anything. Um, 
and then she <coughs> she basically when she did her first match with all these wrestling after the first match they basically kind of buried her a little bit on the card um she also stepped away she was kind of blown away by the size of everything and she went from playing basically 60 people houses to all the all the wrestling events are sold out so like it was, it's a yeah. massive change so she needed a second to adjust to it and in that time she got passed up internally mm-hmm. and so when she came back there wasn't really room for her so she stepped away and um but her career has blown up just by being signed by all of you wrestling yeah i mean like it's one of those like it's a it's a gateway people see you and also i feel like a, a, a lot of fans for all elite are like true wrestling fans so there's i feel like there's 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 wwe fans and there's wrestling fans <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I totally agree with that, and I and I think the wrestling fans want to see more good wrestling. So it makes me think about the Monday Night Wars, where for eighty weeks WCW beat WWE, and WWE had to kind of refigure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and WWE has kind of been scrambling. So guys like Xavier Woods have done a great job creating brand for themselves. The up, up, down, down. Uh, YouTube page, that kind of thing. Um, where they Twitch stream and things of those nature. Um, a couple, I think Paige also does Twitch streaming, things like that. You know, um, else does Twitch streaming? T-Pain. <laughs> yes, he does. And it's awesome. He and he wraps he out an intro. Like, oh, T-Pain's so talented. So, um, I, I, it would be awesome to get him on the show. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, but so the way, but WWE trying to get control of its brand again, one of the first things they did, they, they basically Vince McMahon made like an internal announcement where he's like, I'm coming back and I'm making changes cause I'm Vince McMahon. And the first thing he did was he basically told them that all outside media appearances have to be cleared by internal. Um, he so basically, you don't get to do anything. He thinks that too many people are out there diluting the brand and diluting the code names and diluting the stories. And uh... So, if you needed any more proof that Vince McMahon is a real supervillain. <laughs> now, um... there's been discussion that this wasn't targeted at the Twitch crowd or the gaming team. But rather that it was directed at the. Um, apparently, there's a group of people who were on Cameo and on the WWE active roster, which isn't a good look. Right. Those for those not familiar, Cameo is the one where you literally the athletes and the famous people can set a rate. And if you pay it, they will send a message to a video message to you for that rate. So, like, I think Serena Williams is eighty dollars or something like that. So, for eighty dollars, Serena Williams will record like a thirty-second message for you, and then shoot it over. Um, that's not a good look. Like, you can't have active roster guys selling thirty-second spots, right? 
that I could see that being bad for the brand. Also, it's the same website people like Carol Baskins are on. So, like, it's kind of a lose-lose-lose, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's not a good look, and I think that's... Unfortunately, I do think that the Twitch people might be collateral, though. Yeah, I do, too. I honestly do, too. Um, like, they're not the... They're not the quote-unquote real reason, but he's going to be like, well, I don't want any of it because he's a terrible person, and then just take it all away because he's a garbage human. Yeah, for sure. All it's going to take is for one silly thing to happen on one of those shows now, and he's going to be like, well, I told everyone to stop doing the extra stuff. Like, how did that even happen? And there's no, and there'll be no right. getting around that. Like, they'll... And they're like, Vince, you don't pay me or insure me or do anything. And he's like, none of my problem. Yeah, let me let me be really clear. The idea that Vince McMahon is going to tell me how to behave in my off time, considering I'm not a real employee, not happening. Likelihood zero. I am contracted by you. You don't owe me. Yeah, and I'm a 1099, so like you, I barely work here. Um, but as a former 1099. Yes. You don't work there. Just I don't work here. Um, it does make me think about the Monday Night Wars, though. And so I did want to close the show out today playing our uh, interview with Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, because he kind of goes into depth. He moved over to WCW during the heyday. Mm-hmm. And he was a part of that uh, change for WCW. And then eventually he was also there while WCW fell apart, and he went back to WWE as a Hall of Famer. Um and he talks about that in this interview, and he, he kind of shed some interesting light on just where WCW was willing to spend money. They didn't have the ability to truly long-term compete, and he talks about that in the interview. Uh, I'll let him explain it. Um, but I think it's worth listening to, uh, especially if you are in a com- competition of some kind with a competitor, because the reality is you need to know... You, need to you have out the, the edge, but also... Information is key. Yeah, for sure. Um, that being said, thanks for listening, everybody. On behalf of Little Brother Nico and myself, on behalf of the Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and more, same Nerd Thug time, same Nerd Thug channel. Be safe, be clean, be kind, be generous, wash your hands, be wonderful people, fight the power, Black Lives Matter. Uh, stay tuned for the Million Dollar Man interview. Thanks, guys. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is open on 1488 at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard. With comics, games, and everything nerd-related, The Adventure Begins is the one-stop nerd shop. On Saturdays, they alternate between having Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. And coming up, they also have cosplay crafting and trivia nights and BYOB nights. They're currently offering a 10% discount for limited time, which will be valid for as long as you grab your books every month. Hi, this is Kevin Smith, former Dallas Cowboy, Texas A&M Aggie as well. And I want to say what's up to Nerd Thug Radio. Corey DLG here with ABC uh, Conventions here in Louisiana Comic Con in Shreveport. Here with our biggest guest to date, the legendary, the great WWE Hall of Famer, Mr. Million Dollar Man himself, Ted DiBiase. How are you today, sir? Doing very good, man. How are you? I'm doing very good. And really appreciate your time today. Um, so kind of going in chronological order, talk a little bit about the, the NWA days, if you don't mind. Kind of getting started and touring and all that stuff before it kind of got all centralized with the WWE. Uh, again, I grew up in wrestling. Uh, I wrestled and in, in, started actually right here in the Shreveport area, Miss South Wrestling. 
uh, again, I again I grew up in the wrestling industry, so it's been a part of my life, all of my life. Uh, regional days, I started here in WWE. I mean, I started here in uh, in Mid South for Bill Watts. Uh, I went from here to Amarillo, Texas. From Amarillo, Texas, you know, to back to Amarillo, Texas. Then I went to New York the first time. Uh, my last show in New York, the first time around, was with a guy named Hulk Hogan, who was brand new. He was the bad guy. I was the good guy. Oh, uh, I came back to Mid South. I spent the better part of the first 12 years of my career in Mid South wrestling with Cowboy Bill Watts. In my estimation, Bill Watts uh, was probably one of the best wrestling promoters that I ever worked for because he not only was a promoter, he was a wrestler, so he understands the psychology of what we do. Uh, and the storylines were, were, you know, were, were unbelievable. Um, so I learned a lot. I give, I, live, I give Bill Watts a lot of credit for my knowledge and my early education in the wrestling business, which basically set me up to uh, you know, become this character, the Million Dollar Man in the WWF. Uh, Vince McMahon selected me, you know, because of the character that he saw in me, which basically was, uh, you know, the bully, the bully heel who talks real big, and then when somebody gets in his face, he becomes a coward, and, you know, he does everything underhandedly, and you never get tired of seeing a bully get his butt kicked, and so that was that was basically the essence of the Million Dollar Man, and uh, I was the Million Dollar Man as a wrestler from 1987, uh, basically to about the end of 1993. Uh, uh, I came back with to the WWF in 19 uh, early 1994 as a manager commentator. This is after a, a neck injury, um, and I managed and I commentated until 90 until uh, like 96, uh, and then 97, 8, and 9, uh, I was contracted with WCW. Probably the worst mistake of my life. Uh, Going, going there. Uh, now, can I ask, like, why do you say that specifically? Or is there something uh, just a bad experience? Specifically because uh, I had no issues with the WWF, but what had happened in my personal life, uh, being on the road constantly was not a good place for me. And so when I was a commentator and a manager, initially it required me to be at the TVs and in, in the studio once a week. And Vince decided to put me back on the road with a couple guys, namely, uh, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, Sid Vicious, uh, and personally didn't feel like Vince was interested in my, my personal problems. The road was a hard place for me, and that's, you know, the road got me in trouble. Uh, nearly cost me on my marriage, so if you're going to quit drinking, stay out of the bar. So being on the road with a bunch of guys was not a place where I needed to be. And so when the opportunity came up to go to WCW where I could go to the TVs every week and special events and not be required to be on the road, that's really why I left. I should have, had a, I should have spoken with Vince about it, hindsight. Since then, we've had that conversation. Uh, but WCW was probably the poorest run organization I ever worked for. Uh, you know, all the stars that were in the WCW were guys that were created by Vince McMahon, um, and I think the only star that uh, uh, they could take credit for would be Bill Goldberg. Uh, everybody else was created and by Sting, ben. right? Uh, yeah, and Sting. The Sting was a star already. 
oh, okay. and, and as far as I was concerned. Uh, he didn't need to be made a star. Um, but again, I, you know, again, so what did Vince do? Vince created new stars. Um, and um, so anyway, I, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my overall career in terms of wrestling as a vocation in life ended for me right at the, at the end of my days with WCW. Uh, I've been in a ministry for 16 years that I established a nonprofit organization called Heart of David Ministry. I speak at churches, I speak in rehab centers and jails, um, and I, I do a number of things through my ministry to help uh, disadvantaged kids, orphans, uh, people in need, and that's primarily what I've done for the last 16 years. Uh, I'm still on a what they call a Legends contract with the WWE, uh, which means I show up at WrestleMania and the Hall of Fame every year, and occasionally when they want to one of us to make a cameo appearance back on the show and I'm more than happy to do that I mean I wouldn't be here uh, I wouldn't be having this conversation right now I wouldn't be able to travel around the world and make appearances if it had not been for Vince McMahon and what the WWE did for for me in, in my career so I'm very grateful for that and a lot of that is characterized perfectly probably in your story that everybody's got a price in your book as well absolutely. the million dollar man absolutely I mean Everybody's got a price. Basically, it's my it's my my story of salvation. My basically returning to the values that I was taught when I was a very young man. Uh, and of course, I got caught up in the the limelight. And I mean, you know, I went from on the road in the regional territories to Lear jets and limousines and action figures and uh, traveling the world in first class and be treated first in first class. And and so uh, again, the road's a hard place. Um, you know, fame is not what it seems to be. It's what you make it. Um, you know, and if, if you if you uh, if you make yourself accountable, uh, which we all need to do, then you can avoid some of the pitfalls. Uh, but when you're on the road like I was, and you wrestle in front of a crowd in a, in a sold-out coliseum, you know, people, wow, that's that's pretty cool. You know, and, yeah, it is cool. You walk into a building, and everybody knows who you are. But when that show's over. You go back to an empty hotel room in a city where your your, your family isn't, uh, and you're looking at a TV and four walls, and that can become a very lonely place night after night after night. And that's how guys start, you know, and then you get hurt. When you get hurt in our business, well, that's an old saying in showbiz, the show must go on, especially if you're a star. So uh, if you can't all, at all, you, you, you want to be there. Uh, and so, you what, you take a pain pill. And sometimes those pain pills become addic addictive, it, all kinds of things. I never had an addiction like that, but I can see very easily how it happens and how it happens to a lot of guys. Um, you know, for me, it was uh, it was infidelity. Uh, you know, and and that's what almost ruined my my family life. By the grace of God, I had a wife that was willing to forgive me and give me a second chance, and I took that chance and ran with it. And again, went back to the values that. I was taught when I was a very young man. My dad was a wrestler, but my dad never wanted me to be one. My son tried wrestling. I didn't want him to be a wrestler, not because I don't love wrestling. It's I was afraid of all of those things that come along with it, not just in wrestling, but in any form of entertainment or any anything that you know, uh, anything that where you're famous, uh, you know. So it's a, it's a fear as a parent. Uh, but again, uh, I'm very grateful. Uh, if, if I had it all to do over, I'd probably do it again. But I would 
I would have made some other choices. Uh, well, I really appreciate your time. We're going to get you out of here with some rapid-fire questions. I know people are starting to gather here because everybody wants to meet the million-dollar man. Uh, your favorite rivalry that you had during your career? It's hard to pick one. Uh, the first one, I would say, with the Junkyard Dog, when I first turned heel, was, uh, was one of my favorites. Another one here in Mid-South uh, was with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, when I went to the, you know, the WWF, um, you know, I mean, the first year I was there, basically, uh, you know, me and Andre the Giant went all over the country and wrestled Randy Savage and uh, Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan and a number of characters. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I had a I had a pretty good run with Jake the Snake while I was in the WWF. Uh, and again, he's one of one of my favorites in terms of, of a guy I loved working with because he's he's one of the best. You know, he made my job easy. Um, uh, what do you, you think of his documentary on Netflix? Did you do you enjoy it? Did you catch it? Uh, I was in it. You know, I was I was interviewed in that documentary. Yes, I'm very proud of Jake. I mean, Jake. You know, and he's a guy who's been through hell. You know, you if, if you've seen the documentary, then you know. Uh, and to overcome what he's overcome is, you know. It's pretty amazing. I mean, uh, I've known Jake since the very beginning of his career, which started here as well. And uh, to see him pull out of it like he did, it was, it was, you know, it was great. Very proud of him. Thank you very much for your time today, Mr. DiBiase. We appreciate it. As always, uh, the DVD, Everybody's Got a Price, the book, uh, the, million, the Story of the Million Dollar Man, the coolest belt in all of wrestling. Uh, make sure to check out his website. We're going to have that posted on some YouTube clips for you and put it on the Facebook for you as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Teddy Biasi, the Million Dollar Man. Thank you very much, sir.